0: Hi there, it's Anissa from Epic Lifestyles, and I'm here at Whistler Corps to do another slopeside interview right here in the heart of Whistler Village. And I'm here with Heather O'Donnell, who is one of our instructors. She is teaching Muay Thai at the core. It's a workshop where you can um, come and buy four weeks and come and get amazing exercises and exercise. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to interview Heather because she is from... Australia. Australia. And she's found an amazing way to take her passion and something that she has worked so hard, hard as a lifestyle and been able to teach and travel with it. So, welcome Heather. Hi. <laughs> we're sitting Hi, here. everybody. <laughs> we're sitting here in the, the uh, fitness studio where she teaches. Oh, go ahead. And we have someone who's walked in. Don't mind us, we're just recording. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so I wanted to interview Heather because she's done a lot of what many of us want to do and take um, something that we're really skilled at and then be able to travel and go anywhere in the world and do that and you do see that probably in Whistler more than anywhere else in the world so tell us a little bit about your career in Muay Thai
1: oh where to start uh well originally I got into it uh just for the fitness um, so it was when I was 19, um, a couple of my guy mates asked me to come down to uh, Muay Thai gym on the Sunshine Coast in uh, Australia, not which is the East Coast. For anybody that's not Australian. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and just got into it. Obviously, Muay Thai uses your whole body when you're training, and I've always been uh, into athletics or into sport. Um, and it progressed from there, basically. It's not a sport that I ever dreamed of doing um, punching and kicking people or fighting (laughs) Uh, but I got technically good at it Uh, the skill wise my trainer said that I was technically good at uh, everything you needed to do with the skills and the movement and he sort of yeah coaxed me into having my first fight and that was in March 2015 wow in Rockhampton which is like the north of Queensland (laughs) And I got um, my head punched off my shoulders by a girl that had had a few boxing fights. Mm-hmm. And um, so it wasn't a, it was a very, not that it wasn't a great experience, it was a huge experience. Lots of different working parts that made it, yeah, um, a huge pivotal point, I guess, in my life. And then uh, I'd lost. So the competitive nature that I had in me uh, was like, I can't just have one and lose. So (laughs) I said to my trainer, yeah, yeah." all right, let's do it again. And, yeah, and then it just steamrolled into I turned pro after my, well, for my seventh fight, I turned pro. Um, And then I started getting sponsors and fought in the World Games, got gold in the Arafura Games. I fought for a South Pacific title in 2008. What Um, what does the
0: sponsorship bring for Muay Thai
1: boxing? um, Well, obviously, gets you get paid. You start getting paid to fight instead of just uh, um, doing it for the fun of it, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, And then sponsorship brings you airtime on radio, on the news, magazines, uh, the International Kickboxing Magazine, uh, articles, clothes, all that kind of stuff that you have to wear when you're entering and exiting the ring your corner has to wear it Mm -hmm. um branding just branding yeah yeah and then it just yeah continued until I was 26 so it was for seven years and then I got to a nice round number of 30 fights and decided to call it a day (laughs) except you didn't (laughs) call it a day in competing i guess right yeah probably not the the way i'd imagined stopping um i was training for to fight a girl that i'd fought previously and beaten um and we lived on opposite sides of australia both very successful careers um and she wanted to redeem herself And then we were, whoever won that would fight for the world title.
0: Mm.
1: And it just wasn't my, I'd had a lot of life stuff go on in between, you know, because you're still living your life at the same time, Mm -hmm. training six hours a day. Mm -hmm. You don't have much of a social life, (laughs) but I had a boyfriend. Um, But yeah, those kinds of things all change. And then my head wasn't in the right place. And me and my trainer made a decision to, to stop, to retire. Yeah. Mm. And then I decided to move to whistler <laughs> and how many times have, teach. You been,
0: have you worked in the whistler like you've been back and forth quite a bit
1: yeah so i moved to whistler in 2011 the same year that i retired just later on in that year and then i lived in whistler until 2015 full-time mm-hmm. and started teaching well i started working at the core and i'd always like trained at the core and then we got the idea of uh teaching it mm-hmm. basically we had so many inquiries and people and there's not a lot of places in Whistler that teach straight Muay Thai
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so yeah we bought some gear put some feelers out there and uh the workshops were sold out instantly and that's um, blown me
0: away because I met you yeah. this summer when I had first started and then when and you'd gone back home for a bit yes and then you you've just uh, I think it just speaks highly of you of all the deep connections you kept while you were away as well like the instant you posted yeah. it on Facebook it was like boom <laughs> sold out I was like wow this girl's got it <laughs> that's amazing
1: yeah it was it was it was really nice to see actually when mm-hmm. I came back after yeah because you're right I left in um, 2015 mm-hmm. to pursue other work in Europe and travel over there for a bit between mm-hmm. there and New Zealand <coughs> and then yeah I came back for just for a holiday and decided that we should maybe do them again talk to karen and bob and they were on board and yeah the feedback was great (coughs) instantaneous um sellout for the first one which Mm -hmm. was great and running two at once i'd never done that before Mm -hmm. never done a morning and a nighttime one so pretty yeah that was pretty Pretty intense intense. (laughs) yeah yeah and uh, And what do you find with
0: with my i've talked with um there's a guy locally marco who um is doing a Brazilian jiu-jitsu and what would you say is kind of like the difference between Muay Thai and jiu-jitsu and I'd never and his girlfriend too actually just had a fight and so she was explaining jiu-jitsu to me yeah and I was I've never seen it before and I wouldn't have understood if she hadn't had somebody talking me through it I wouldn't have understood it whereas I find you know obviously boxing a little bit seems a little bit more clean cut
1: (laughs) yeah so jiu-jitsu and MMA there's lots of groundwork jiu-jitsu is full groundwork Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge expert on it. I've never actually done it myself. But mm. Muay Thai is a stand-up sport. There is no on the ground. Um, as soon as a glove has touched the ground or your opponent is on the ground, there's, you can't continue. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Muay Thai using eight weapons, so punching, kicking, kneeing and elbowing. So that's also the difference between kickboxing My biggest pet peeve, people call Muay Thai kickboxing and it's Mm -hmm. just like calling rugby soccer. (laughs) They are similar, but they are completely different Uh, sports. Kickboxing is just kicking and punching uh and Muay Thai is a lot more than that. It's a complete traditional sport of Thailand, where the name comes from. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of spiritual meaning behind it as well. The Ramoy, which is the dance You do when you enter the ring for anyone that's watched actual Muay Thai. Mm. The mong kong that you wear, which to people looks like a headband, um, is blessing yourself. You're sending out good energy protection to your trainer, to your opponent, so nobody gets injured. The dance is showing respect to the sport, uh, to your opponent, sealing the ropes so that you guys are both safe, even though you're about to have a fight. Oh Uh, wow, I just got cold chills, that's beautiful (laughs) Yeah, so there's a lot more Um, And maybe kickboxing and jiu-jitsu have all that too But as I said, I don't know Mm -hmm. about those But yeah, the main difference is it's all stand-up It's a striking sport Um, Elbowing, it's a points-related sport So similar to boxing, kickboxing, Mm -hmm. jiu-jitsu, all of that stuff Um, But except there's no holds So it's free-flowing, fluid-moving, striking And... um, five three-minute rounds for pros or you start when you're first starting like my first fight was three two-minute rounds and then you work up to three threes Mm -hmm. five twos five Mm -hmm. threes and what do
0: you think like I know when my my daughter's 24 now she's a mom (laughs) but she did rugby in high school and they went to provincials and I was really surprised and and were other people as to how different the sport was for women versus men (laughs) um, especially in the locker room like yeah. the bitchiness that, and nastiness like there was a girl that got her eyes scratched out and things like this oh, like oh wow um and you that know really <laughs> well like I said it's it's interesting uh, that because there, I don't think there was that and that comes down to leader team leadership as well yeah um in in my belief but what do you think for women what are a lot of the benefits of doing a sport like this
1: oh um there definitely was the challenges of it being uh, a male sport, what they class as a male sport, and being a woman in that area, uh, especially in the in the era that I did it in. I've been retired for seven years now, nearly. Um, so it was it wasn't very well known for women to be doing it. There was very much the separate, the segregation, I should say, mm-hmm. between men and women. But. Um, I think the, the benefits for women are confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, you're confident in yourself, self, uh, well, self-defense, well, self basically. Not that I've ever needed to use it for, the, for those purposes, but I guess having the confidence in knowing that if something was to happen, I would have a much better chance of protecting myself than if I had never done the sport.
0: Well, I think that once you're carrying yourself different, you don't carry a victim's... Um Persona, and yeah. therefore you became you become you less taller. of a target. Yeah. Like yeah. I traveled yeah. all you over Europe welcome. by myself when I was eighteen, and I, you know, I just, I, and I think it truly the reason I only ever once had a problem it was just how you carry yourself. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah no, it, I know? believe in that too. And and so doing and the boxing the would do is, that for you. Yeah. Through my whole career, like if I didn't, if I had the attitude of being like, oh, I'm a girl trying to make it in a boys' sport, then. You'd always sink down to that level. But if I just didn't think about it and did my own thing, fought the fights that I fought, like I needed to fight, train, did the hard work in training. So train hard, fight easy, basically. You mm. can do the training.
0: I never heard that before. That's yeah. I mean, it's,
1: I mean, we, That was our, our we club know it,
0: but <laughs>
1: but yeah. different... and we see it here it's in different.
0: Whistler all the time. Is yeah. people know to even um, in anything that we we all know that we have to train hard so that that daily life is easier. It's easier,
1: exactly. And then if you burn the candle at both ends, then life's not going to be easy. And did you
0: find... (laughs) um, Did you just because we were talking about this a bit before the interview like the challenges of a woman like the dangers um of doing that sport as a woman because you're not just competing i mean mostly you are competing with yourself i think really in a sport like that
1: oh definitely it's it's 80 percent mental uh 20 fitness you could be as fit as fit as anyone could be and if you've lost it in the brain before you even get in the ring then you'll lose yeah it's a very big mental game it plays your mind plays with you a lot mm-hmm. i had lots of instances where i thought i was losing and then i didn't in within the fight and until you get back to the corner and your coach can say to you like tell you what's actually happening because he's got the outside perspective mm-hmm. and bring you back down to a level so you can like reset and be like okay get those thoughts out of your mind because it's easy it's a slippery slope once you start thinking Mm-hmm. Nah, I've lost, I've lost, I've lost. Then well that's the importance of
0: having a coach too. I think um I'm mm. I'm a I'm more of a life coach for and, and business coach, but often we don't see from the outside um where we can get to and where we've been because we're so Yeah in what we're doing. So having a coach always is gonna help set you over as you. well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's all Fo- you're focused on one thing in the ring and they're looking at the big picture of everything that you need to do or refocus on mm-hmm. different areas um yeah so i think there's there's heaps of benefits let alone like the health benefits of the sport even if you didn't fight mm-hmm. like the workshops that i teach here are i train them like we're fight training mm-hmm. to a degree um but there's not uh, there's not ever going. – they're not ever going to fight or anything in here just due to – Is there a
0: place in Vancouver where there is competitions? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. so if there was
1: somebody up here that was really gung-ho and they wanted me to train them, I'd be happy to do that. Awesome. To get them to a level where then they can transfer down to Vancouver and actually get into an amateur about, awesome. like, pat it up. Get out of the bubble. Um, yeah, <laughs> the Whistler out of the bubble. bubble. <laughs> but, yeah, as for in Whistler, they will be – it's more so for the exercise. They can use it you know it goes with a lot of the balance the core stability the coordination everything you still need for riding as well you know hand eye coordination being able to judge Mm -hmm. distances yeah your balance on your feet your core stability so it applies to a lot of other sports it applies to yeah all your winter sports downhill biking as well there's a lot of balance involved in all of those sports Mm -hmm. so yeah so when is your next course my next course starts on Wednesday the 30th. Uh, so we're just doing a nighttime course for the next four weeks due to a slight twist in my knee. Uh, <laughs> thank you, skiing. But uh, it starts on Wednesday. There's actually only two spots left. Um, so you need to register at the core ASAP. Or they can get onto a list for the or next one. Or you can get okay. onto a wait list for the next one. Uh, yeah, 7 p.m. Wednesday the 30th and Friday at 6:15 till 7:15. So they're hour-long, hour-long sessions, and we do some stretching at the end. Awesome Thanks for doing spending 15 minutes with me. We finally teed it up. We finally teed it up. Yeah, no worries. It's a big pleasure. Hopefully all of that makes sense.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Well thanks for joining us on Epic Lifestyles. If you want to hear more of our podcast from other people living life a little differently than the rest of us, putting that extra effort in. Um, join us at EpicLifestyles.ca. We've got people like John Block, um, Nicholas Leloup, who did... Um, and
1: Chad Chad Sawyer. A
0: Chad, Chad Slayer, so, Sawyer. Sawyer. I can never pronounce it. <laughs> Backcountry skier. Um, Legend. Uh, different Chad, who did the Epic Five, which is five Ironmans in five days, which is That's freaking amazing. Cool. So join me there for some other interviews, or you can also join me on theladiesmeeting.ca or dot com sorry epiclifestyles.ca and theladiesmeeting.com <laughs> thanks Heather awesome. and thank uh, you we'll see thanks, you guys. see you later take care bye bye